Greetings, rare ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. Greetings, Rare Ones. It's Joanne here, your host of the Rare Birds podcast. And today I would like to welcome you to episode two of the Belize series. And please join me in welcoming our second guest, Miss Karen Williams. Hello, Karen. Hi, good morning, Joanne. Good morning to you in Belize. Good night from you here in China. So welcome to the podcast. We're really pleased to have you here. So Karen, can you tell us a little bit about about you, who you are? And okay. yeah, give us your background. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me. Um, I my story. I have a very long story, but I'll try to keep it short. Um, sure. For for me, the whole idea of entrepreneurship has been something from a very very early age. Um, due to the fact that at one point, um, I was homeless. At one point, I was abandoned by um by my parents, and really, entrepreneurship was the tool that allowed me to get an education because um, I used to do like the work scholarship at school and then I used to do my little part-time hustles to to make to make that pocket money that I needed right and this is like from age 12 so um, growing up I really learned from an early age how to put my own money in my own pocket because it was a matter of survival at, at that time, um, a matter of me being able to move to where I wanted to be in the future. So I've, I've done several little small businesses from selling ruffles to, uh, to sewing sheets and all of these things over the years um, to allow me at this point to have, um, have my homes, have my businesses and um, to have a good education. I'm, I currently have a master's degree. So um, without entrepreneurship, none of those things would have been possible for me with the, with the way that I grew up. So one of, one of the businesses that I have, the Happy Maids Cleaning Service, actually came out of one of my first um, experiences as a work scholar in secondary school because I used to, um, I went to one of the Palatine sisters um, school, uh, all girls secondary school. And one of the things that I used to do to, um, to fund my education was the work scholar where I did um, cleaning 
after school hours. So I would go in and clean the kitchen and clean the convent and the classrooms and all of these places in the uh, in the school. And I learned to clean from the best because the, the Palatine nuns, they clean to the level when they put on their little white glove. If they go over it and there is one spark of dust, you have to do it over. So um, that's where I learned to to clean very good um, from an early age. And then I, I, I didn't know getting that skill would allow me to launch a business, which I did um, many years afterwards. So um, definitely that was something that prompted me to go into that line of business. Um, my second business is actually um, tourism related. I have a um, tiny house. It's called the Belmopan Tiny Houses. And it's a tiny house development um, where I host people on a short-term basis. Um, mm. That wasn't the original concept. The original concept was to provide um, low-income housing for, um, for people starting out in their new jobs, their new careers. And so, but um, that didn't work out so well. And then I went into the short-term um, the short term hosting of guests. So I get a lot of guests from outside of Belize as well as inside of the country. Mm. So that's it for, for my two businesses. And your story. Wow. Thanks for sharing yes. that with us. Mm. Yes. Growing, so, growing up was really tough and, and I'm fortunate that I've been able to change, change the story of, um, of what I could have been and to provide a, a better example for my kids, because I have two kids, um, and I'm sure, well, the life that they're living is is a far cry from what, where I was, you know, where you had to worry about where the next meal was coming from. Um, there was no electricity, no water, no sewage, all of these things, and for them to mm. have a life where they have access to education and housing and and anything that they want to be, whatever they want to be. So I'm glad I was able to change that story for my, for my family. Yeah, I, that's something that I want to, to focus on, actually, because I think that when you come from a developing country, so much of the narrative is defined by poverty. And I think that that tends to frame your mind and your experience in a particular way and yes. it's very easy and it's very common to have a victim mentality because yes. everywhere you look there's poverty that's just the way it mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. and there's a minority in every developing country who are very wealthy the elite and then yes. the majority of the people are at the bottom and then there's this yes. really tiny tiny middle class like really tiny sometimes it's not mm -hmm. even existent the middle class so how do we, as people from third world countries, how, considering your, your, your background and your experience, how do we change our mindset so that we don't allow the poverty and the deprivation and the corruption and everything that makes us third world to stop us from dreaming big and, and um, you know, just having big goals and wanting to do amazing things? Yeah, that, that's an excellent question. Um... For me, I think um, the education part of it was was really critical. Um, and, and by education, I don't just mean um, going to school, you know, the education of um, being exposed to different different ways of doing things and um, 
to different skills. Like like I told you, you know, one of the skills I learned from an early age was was cleaning. And then mm-hmm. um, growing up in a rural setting bef- before I was plunged into that whole poverty poverty system, um, mm-hmm. I learned many skills. I, I know to cook, I know to forage, I know to plant, you know. So, so for me, from an early age, I picked up certain skills. And, and those skills um, I've been able to use, I think, every single one of them. So, mm-hmm. so getting, getting that um, access to learning skills and, and getting an education, I think that's, that's going to be critical to move people out of this poverty mindset. Mm. Yeah, because I think that when you come from wealth, it's, not, it's easy to be confident. You have yes, everything at your disposal. Easy because, and if you need something, you can just ask somebody and they will give it to you. But um, yeah. when you're from poverty, you, you basically have to create that for yourselves. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the hard part, creating yeah. something for yourself. Because many people who come from developing countries have this attitude like, well, we can't create anything for ourselves, and we have to look to the United States and we have to look to Canada and we have to look to Western Europe or, you know, now it's China or Australia or wherever, anywhere but where we are to find yes. solutions and to fix problems. And we look on TV and we see what the Americans are doing and we want to be like them and we're inspired by them. But how do we how do we look? inwards like what do we have to do to believe in ourselves to to understand that we can create our own opportunities because i think that like you and i are both both like caricom nationals right i'm from the caribbean you're from belize and education is everywhere in caricom caricom nationals are some of the most educated people in the world yes we have all sorts of degrees okay but we still have a lot of poverty we still have a lot of victim mentality we still have a lot of people who just i mean i i think it's fair to say most caricom nationals tend to give their expertise away to not to home but away they move abroad because there are no opportunities at home Mm -hmm. so how do we change that like how do we make people believe that they don't have to go away like people like me i don't have to go away i can stay at home and create my opportunity Mm -hmm. like how do we do that um, i think i realized that from an early age that um that I didn't have to go anywhere. I always, I always say, if I'm going to be successful, I'm going to be successful at home. You know, wow. I, I never had the inclination to, to feel that I had to go somewhere else to be successful. And you just always felt that inside. Is, um, the importance of, of, of getting through to the youths, because mm. that's, that is where it's going to start. If from an early age, you can realize that there are things that you can do. You can learn mm-hmm. to use the, the um, resources that we have here in the country. Um, mm-hmm. And you can, you can make a livelihood and you can make a difference with whatever you're doing um, at home. If you mm-hmm. can show you from, an, from a young age, then that will definitely help them when they get older to see that there are opportunities here. Because I think sometimes um, we're not seeing the opportunities. Mm. And it's usually somebody else from abroad that comes and sees the opportunity that we don't yes. see. Yes. And and part of it, um, you'll see a lot of the um I would say the new Belizeans, that's what that's what we call them. But a lot of the new Belizeans have been able to come to Belize and have been able to take over several different 
industries and sectors and they they have been very successful and then we mm-hmm. look at ourselves sometimes and we wonder you know how come how come um we can't reach that level of success and then we put we actually put ourselves down but yeah. if we look and to realize that um they they came in with certain skills they came in with certain knowledge Mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. not really inventing anything new when they come. They they just are exposed to the opportunities from wherever they came. And then they come here and they see that those opportunities are not topped. And, so they exploit and, them. And, yes. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, they come with um, resources that, that most locals don't have. Mm-hmm. So and that, they have the mind and the right mindset. There's a mindset yeah. as well, because yeah. I think many of us come from backgrounds where we just hard, get a good education, study hard you know, become a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, or an engineer, and that's the way forward. Mm-hmm. We don't come from families where when we go home and we say we have an idea, we want to start a business. We're not encouraged to do that. Mm-hmm. That's seen, not only is it seen as risky, but it's it's almost like belittled sometimes. Yes, like, exactly. what is that? Mm-hmm. So, whereas people that come from the, the families that you've just described, they're always talking about business ideas. They're always pursuing opportunities. They're always looking, they look at life in a completely different way. It's a different, completely different mindset that they're, those people grew up around and with, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, defi- sure. definitely expo- exposure and that support um, is needed for our youths to ensure that they can see the possibilities and, and they can know that they can do it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that because one of the things I do here where I live in China, I teach entrepreneurship at a secondary school. I teach uh, students 16 to 18 at an international academy. Do you believe that teaching kids entrepreneurial education will somehow imbibe them with the skills and the mindset required to not necessarily become entrepreneurs per se, but to think entrepreneurially? And that will yeah. somehow help them to become better at whatever they do in life. Do you think that's something that should be applied throughout the developing world yes. as well? Yes, definitely. Um, when when I was growing up, we didn't have that type of um, we didn't have that type of training. But I'm seeing it now. Um, like for example, my daughter goes to um, she's in like what you would refer to as grade seven, mm-hmm. and um, they're doing they're doing certain little trainings on entrepreneurial skills where they um, expose them to maybe they have a fair little entrepreneurial mm. fair where, where they they make little cookies and cupcakes and different things sure. and they, they do their banners and their posters and they sell it so i think um exposing them at that early age is is extremely beneficial for them to see that there are possibilities and for them to be thinking um, in that entrepreneurial way. They definitely need to get um, more exposure for them to think in that way. Absolutely. And I think we need more um, success stories in back home as well. We need to have more examples of people like yourself who've done well and so that others can see, oh, wow, okay, if she can do it, if she did it, I can do it as well. Because yes. a lot of the times our success stories aren't coming from home, they're coming from abroad namely the United States or the UK or mm-hmm. wherever, wherever else. These other people, yes. and they're not, they're not from our home countries. I mean, it's great to um, celebrate all of these people, but we actually need to have them in our own like countries mm-hmm. and in our own communities as well, you know? Yes, 
And definitely yeah. to share to share the story because I mean it's like not not everybody knows um, my story that I you know that they see me and you know they see what I have and they see how I'm doing, but um, I think most people don't know where I started because it's not something that mm-hmm. I share very often, you know, as mm. to where I started and you know that I really if 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 anybody can come from the bottom, you know. Yeah. You know, if I was able to come from where I was to where I mm. am now, I think anybody can do it. And um, we don't always get this, these examples of people that have come from nothing mm. to make themselves yeah. into something, you know. So I think um, sharing that kind of of experience and letting, you know, the youths know, listen, you know, this is an example. These are examples of people that started from from nothing, and and you know, if if they can do it, then you can do it too. Do you? Would you like to start sharing your story more in your? I mean, obviously, you're sharing it now with with us here. Yes, but yes. Is it something um, that you like I started sharing maybe la- last year. I started sharing that because um, I think part of why why I never shared that kind of story before, you know, is is like um. It's like an issue of something like uh, like shame. Of course, uh, yes, guilt and, share, and shame. That's don't share that, but um, and that's cultural. Think, that's one hundred percent cultural. That's yeah. cultural. Like yeah, but yeah, for me, you know, to realize that you know, it's not something for me to be ashamed about as to where yeah. I start. It's actually something that I could feel good about myself because I'm so grateful to know that I came out of that. Because the yeah. the story could have been so different, you know, it could have been so different um, if somehow I didn't get the support I needed um, to move from that where where I was going to where I am now. If I didn't get that support at that age, it could have been a whole different story, a totally different story, um, the story of many other Belizeans um, because they didn't get that support. At the, at the age that they needed it. So you know what I think is... Was, it yeah, was go at ahead, I'm sorry. Age, um, age 12. Um, mm-hmm. When I finished um, primary school, I wanted to go to secondary school. And mm-hmm. my father blankly told me, no, you can't go. At that time, um, he one of the reasons wow. he said was that, you know, you're going to get pregnant anyway and, you know, all the oh, money wow. will be gone. Yeah, but the reality was that he couldn't afford it. Mm. And again, because of the whole shame issue, he didn't explain that to me. I didn't I didn't realize that until I had already finished secondary school, that it was an issue that he couldn't afford to send me. Right. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When when he told me that I couldn't go, I cried and cried. I cried like two weeks straight. I can it was imagine. like two weeks straight of just crying and crying and crying. And then fortunately, I got an opportunity. Um, one of the nuns that, that um, with the same school that I went, she came mm. back to um, my father and she offered me a work scholarship. She offered me a place to stay um, mm. in the city because it's, the schools are far from where I, I grew up in. And so because of that, I was able to get that opportunity. Wow, that is quite a wow. This story—it's really moving because I was gonna say um, it's funny how North American culture celebrates like coming from nothing and becoming somebody. 
Whereas mm. other cultures around the world, there's shame. Like you don't yeah, talk about we're, the fact we're that very much a shame, and people don't talk yeah. about. Um, here we Struggle, don't talk about struggles, and poverty. we don't talk about the issues that we have. And you know, if you yeah. have a in your family and things like that, people don't really share about things like that because somehow, somehow it feels like um, you're the one that should be ashamed of what you went yeah. through. Mm-hmm. And within the within Caribbean cultures, it's very much, and African cultures too. I mean, many cultures around the world, you just don't put your quote-unquote business in the street. You know, it's like yes, the exactly. way you are, the, what's there, happening in your home. Yeah, what's happening in your home is in your home. When you're in public, it's a completely, you have to you have to think about what people are going to say, the community, your religious community, whatever it is, you know, you have to, and your own you always family, have to keep up this space. When you expose certain things, um, your own family, they get upset because... You know, why are you sharing that? You know, you exactly. should be sharing that. But I mean, that's part of your experience. That's part of yeah. what makes you who you are, those experiences. So I think it's important to share those things so that other people can see, you know, everybody has um, challenges yeah. And, and, yeah. and you can work towards overcoming the challenges, even if they're very difficult. And I think that mindset stops with us. I mean, my parents may have thought that way, your parents, his parents, her parents, but we know better. So we have to stop that to make sure that our children or our nieces and nephews or cousins or the next generation, whomever, don't have that attitude as well or that mindset. So I think that the older generations may still have that and that's okay. Let them be who they are. But as long as we don't carry that on, it's Mm -hmm. okay. Yes. And and that's why I said, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I was able to be someone that can change this that historical story for my yes. for future family i've been able Good to generation. do that wow yes. that is so powerful so okay amazing i want to shift now to your businesses so you've okay. got two that you've mentioned yes. so can you tell us about the cleaning business that you have how many people do you currently employ um right now i have um eight people employed for the cleaning business and um, it's six women and two men. Okay. And who are you? Who are you currently like uh, servicing? Like, who are your clients? Um, we do several offices, several businesses. Um, we do a lot of residential homes as well. Okay. So we do um, places like the banks, the embassies, um, some other offices, residential homes. And all yeah. of that has been something that has been growing steadily over the years. Um, when I started that first um, business, I was actually working full time. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I had a partner wow. at that time and, and um, my job was to, to provide the funding, which I did. And my partner mm-hmm. was supposed to help me with the day to day. It actually didn't work out and um, the business actually went down to zero. Um, before yeah. I took it, before I took it over in 2011, where I started back from zero. Yeah. So since that time, I have been doing all the management and all of that on my own, and it's it's been growing steadily, you know. Okay. And how 
do you like in terms of your services do you offer different packages so for example because obviously the way you would clean an embassy considering like yes, security members measures, measures at an embassy is going to be very different to a bank which it's, is even more secure different. versus a home so do you do you offer different types of services or is it just based on the client or how does how does that work in your business yes um it definitely varies um for example the residential rate is is less than the commercial rate Sure, sure, sure. And sure. then um, we have um, like the general cleaning. At the, mm -hmm. at the, that's more like um, routine cleaning procedures. That's yeah. at a less rate than the specialized. For example, when we do the embassies, that's very specialized because it must be mm -hmm. extremely clean when we, when we do those kinds of offices. And so we have more manpower. We take more specialized staff to do that kind of cleaning. Yeah, and then of course we have the um specialized cleaning that we do. Like right now with this um with the COVID nineteen um we're mm -hmm. being called to do more um more specialized sanitation cleaning for the for the offices that we do. So that requires um a different different level of cleaning as well. Yeah, and do you have your own line of products, or do you just are those things that you um, we just do, buy? Like? We do work. We do have a partner. Um, we partner with the Green Care Products Limited, and they provide a range of um, cleaning supplies for us that we use for eighty percent of all our cleaning applications. Wow, these are environmentally friendly products. Yes, then, they or? are environmentally yeah. friendly. They're based on the um, effective microorganisms technology. So and nice. and um, it's made in Belize, developed from Japan technology. So that's the we use um, that those products for eighty percent of everything that we do. So they have um, disinfecting, sanitizing. Um, yeah. Yes, and they cover it's they they cover um, the what several different products um, would yeah, cover. Yeah. So what's it like working with banks? cleaning banks what's that like i mean i guess you do um, your cleaning at night night time i know most no actually building. actually we do it from um afternoon like after lunch time and then oh, up really? yes yes um mm. they're very the banks are very flexible they work very good with us um and um our staff they're trained to be very low profile so they go in mm. and they do their thing they you know they're very um very polite and so with the staff at the bank so yeah they go in and they can do their thing and and that helps us a lot because um we've had some offices that we used to clean later and it's a lot of inconvenience especially for um for our cleaners who are you know moms and so on then they have to be out late at night and then we have to be dropping them until maybe after 10 11 at night so i'm really happy that um the customers that we have can work with us that we can do the cleaning while they're still doing business. Like for example, mm. while they're doing business would be like more in the back back areas. And then when they close their office, we come out in the front area. Mm. And that helps us you know, a lot, you know? Yeah, yeah. I guess in in um, sort of like in Europe and North America, it's different. Cause I remember when I worked in the US and even in, throughout in the UK, um, the commercial buildings I worked in, the cleaners always came at night. They always yeah. popped around, around like, because mm -hmm. when you work late, which is most of the time, you would see them. They'd come in like eight, nine, 
Yes. Like a bunch of them would yes, come some in. Of, some of them, um, some of the offices um, prefer that late night. But um, yeah, when everybody's for gone, us, I really, I think in a way we kind of try to set our schedule because I'm mm-hmm. trying to set it because I know that. You know, I'm working with with a lot of women. Um, some sure. some of them, a lot of them are um, single parents, and so mm. for them, those hours it's not it's not really um, manageable it's for them. So them, yeah. try to work a lot with the customers um, to get them within that schedule that's feasible for everybody. You know, that is interesting. So you're definitely a um, a friendly employer, a mom friendly employer. Yes, definitely. You hire a lot of women. Okay. And where do you see your 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 cleaning business going? I mean, do you want to what, like what's the plan in terms of is it going to grow? Are you going to diversify well, into like, other things? Yes. Um it's it is steadily growing and for me I like I like the pace that it's growing, you know, 12 years we've been in in it now and um it's been growing steadily every year or every month it increases a bit. Um, I like that pace and um, I would just like it to continue maybe a, mm-hmm. a little faster now that I'm in doing it full time now since um, 2016. So it's oh, okay. been going on four years now since I've been just do- managing my businesses. Um, so I definitely wanted to grow some more in terms of providing um, more services, providing more specialized services to be precise. Um, because that's really an area where I'm looking into doing more more of that. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And you, just to backtrack a bit to something you touched on earlier, you had a full-time job whilst yes. building your businesses. Yes. And I think that's such an important point because I don't know if it's age <laughs> or if it's experience or what it is, but I meet a lot of people younger than myself, much younger than me, like early 20s. And they seem to think that you can just start a business or, or solve a big problem um, like in a year or something. And, you no, know, you develop a business and you time. just... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> everything, like, it's like planting a seed, you know. If you plant a seed, depends on what kind of seed, you won't get any fruit or you won't get any vegetables until after a while, you know, and you, and in that, in the meantime, you still have to be watering it. You have to be weeding it. You know, you have to be doing all of these income. things, right? So it's the same thing with a business. Absolutely. I think there's this, I don't know, farcical, this, this idea that somehow you, you know, you have a, an idea and you can just like raise funding and get money and, and then like, boom, you have this business. But majority of people out there work a full-time job and yes. they work on their business in the evenings or on the weekends or whatever. And they do that for a number of years before they can actually jump into it full-time. And some people, they don't want to jump into it full-time. Maybe they just want to keep mm-hmm. it as a additional stream of income. But I mean, a lot of younger people who seem to think that you're just going to start a business and it's just going to thrive like just mm-hmm. like that from day one. So no. um and that's why I suggested um you know the age range should be a little older because then you need a little time um for you Mm. to to get the business started Mm. and um that will also ensure that whoever gets some investment um they're on solid ground because um like I said you know since age 12 there's so many things that I've done and uh, to be to be serious with you if somebody had 
thrown some funds um, at me at the start, you know, we mm -hmm. would have probably lost some of that money <laughs> because yeah. um, it takes for you to be in that mindset where this thing has to work. You know, yeah, I think I think when for, you're very young, you gotta have the right people around you. That's the key. If you yeah. if you're young like that and you don't have the right people around you, that's that's it's gonna be a failure. Yes, because but um, with, with business, um, you can you can get discouraged. Mm -hmm. You know, if mm -hmm. it's not working the way you you think that it's going to work in the beginning, you can get discouraged. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's important that you you are able to stick to it for a while until it starts to bear fruit. Absolutely. And it takes time. I think it's important to understand that anything that you believe in investing, it's going to take time. You see, the, yes. this, the sad truth is that all these people that we celebrate, like the Oprah's and the, mm -hmm. the mega, you know, the Serena Williams and all of these mega stars and millionaires and billionaires and what have you, we celebrate them now, but they've been working for 15, 20 mm -hmm. years to get to where they yes, are now. Definitely. It didn't happen. It didn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And even now they're yeah. still working. So exactly. that's the part that we don't, that's the part that we don't mm -hmm. see. So for your second business, um, X, can you explain to us that, that business model and, and what you do in, in that one? your services that you offer? So um, the second one, it it's um, the Balmapan Tiny Houses. And it's a no. tiny, you know, the based on the tiny house concept where um, you have a small space where you have everything in there. There's bedroom, there's bathroom, there's kitchen. It, it's an adequate living space. Um, so the footprint is a lot smaller than, than if you would have a big house. And um, we get those rented. A lot of people are curious, you know, can I live in a tiny house um so they come in and they stay there it's it's a, like an experience for most people that stay with us um we also build it around the natural environment so all the big trees mm -hmm. and all of that we've kept all of those so it's a very green um it's a very green type development as well and that was tiny the idea house. for that yes tiny house the idea out mm. of that came from um from me looking at the whole tiny house movement on tv and also with my background, mm -hmm. um, my prof as a, in in my professional career, I was an urban planner. Nice. So um, yeah, so that helped me to come up with this kind of idea. Um, so I built it around the natural environment compared to a lot of de developments in Belize where people just want to cut everything down, and mm -hmm, then they, mm -hmm. they put something. So mine is built around the natural environment, and so our guests they really enjoy enjoy that. Um, being around in that natural natural environment where you can see the wildlife, um, howler monkey birds, you know, you can see all of that when you go when you go to um, the tiny houses. Yeah. So you are you a developer? Um, well, really, um, with this whole tiny house thing, um, where where I'm moving into is to um, do a little bit more of that. Well, a lot more. So um, mm. that's really the direction that I want to head for that business, where we want mm. to have um, several different um, accommodation types. Yeah. yeah. So that's really an area that I do plan to expand a lot in, in the future. Yeah. No, that is, that, is, that is really interesting. Mm. Very and to interesting. do it at a, at a level where um, others are not. Are you the only one doing that in Belize? tiny homes um i'm the only one in belize that has a tiny house um development but um mm -hmm. i think it's something where 
a lot of the a lot of different people have similar type concepts you know um mm-hmm. like like before before you heard about the tiny house we've always done the cabanas you know mm. cabanas, same thing like the tiny house is um it's just that we use a different word but um a lot of our development is really um, more on the green side compared to in other places where they put up all these big buildings. Um, we tend to put more small, um, mm-hmm. eco-friendly accommodations mm. built around the natural environment. And so mm. it's it's a similar concept as the cabanas um, or the log cabins in Belize. It's but um, I think I'm the only one that has a tiny house name on it so far. Mm. So how many how many tiny homes do you have in your development? Um, right now I have five of them mm-hmm. with the idea of expanding um, into a couple more tree houses. And um, the other development that I have in future is something more, it's, it's not the same, but it will also incorporate a lot of the green practices that I'm doing with the tiny houses. Okay. And how many we, how many people can live in a tiny house? Is it a family or is it one we, person? <laughs> we've had as many as five stay in one tiny house because mm. of the, because of the design, the way we have it designed. We have um like it has a small bedroom and a small mm-hmm. bathroom and then there's a loft that goes over the bedroom and the bathroom. So and with a ladder going up. So at the top there we can get like maybe three mattresses to go up at the top and then two in the bedroom yeah we've had like five stay in one of them on on several occasions because these are short stay like tourist homes tourism or yeah yeah short stays um sometimes we get overnight a couple nights a week a month um we get some people coming in that stays um, two months uh three months it depends okay Interesting. Very interesting. And how long have you been doing this one? Um, this how one started in, uh, we broke ground in 2014. So we're going on five years now. Wonderful. That's exciting. There's a lot that you can do with that. Mm-hmm. I know, I know yes, you know that. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot because um, even, even um, like I said, the original concept was to provide um, more of a low income um, house, housing type for people. And so mm-hmm. over the years, a lot of people have um, asked me or have they've come to visit them to see the design. Some of them, have, they have told me outright they're stealing my design and building their house from it, you know. And I know that some of them have done that, um, which is not yeah. a problem in it at all, no. But um, to look at it maybe as a concept where I can design some of these kinds of houses for to, to make available to people that want to. Um, buy them you know that is something that maybe I would want to get into later on as well yeah yeah for sure okay that is brilliant that is brilliant I love that that's so exciting really cool Karen I think this wow so where okay so these two businesses that you're working on at the moment are you gonna um just keep growing them separately or are you going to create sort of like a do you have like an llc or a, not an llc like a parent company yes that definitely over, yeah how, what's your yeah okay yeah so definitely that's that's the direction so um with these two businesses um both my husband and i are entrepreneurial right 
but mm -hmm. um with these two businesses i'm the one i'm the primary one that does all the management and um they're like separate our businesses are separate right now but our mm -hmm. plan is to get everything together because he also has uh, other property that he manages right. and um, have other um, businesses as well that that are mostly managed by him. So um, the idea is eventually we will get everything together under an LLC and we'll push it from there to make it at a, at a bigger level. Absolutely. That's so exciting. Wow. So Karen, what um, words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to offer to our audience? Well, I would like to say, you know, if you have you have an idea, um, start start your idea. Don't wait. Because many times um, we take too long to start something that that we're interested in. If you, it's going to take a time. Even if you start now, you wait ten years. It's still going to take the same time for you to work out any problems that you might have or any challenges. So it's best to start to start now. And if it's it's the same way as growing a fruit. If you start now, you you need a little time before you start reaping. So the sooner mm -hmm. you start better yeah absolutely absolutely so will you um encourage your children i know you mentioned your daughter to to become entrepreneurs or are you just sort of letting letting them do their own thing and see if they'll eventually get around to it like to come into no, they're, working they're already business. both entrepreneurial i don't think <laughs> i don't think I either of them has any aspiration to go and work for anybody um my daughter Great. from age of four, she started her little small business, Lemonade Stand, and since then she's kept up at it. Um, she's seen that with business, she can raise the monies that she wants to do different things that she wants. La last year we went to Hawaii, and that was mm -hmm. because of the little um, businesses that she did. You know, she wanted to go and she started doing little businesses um, to raise the funds for us to do that. So um, mm. from an early age, they're seeing that they can already um, get into business as a way to move them forward. That is wonderful. Absolutely. Mm. And I think, you know, when when they see that there's an incentive, you can make your own money. And then with that money, you can do mm -hmm. what you want. Because, you know, when yeah. you're a child, you have to always ask mom and dad and mom and dad mm -hmm. say no, or it's OK, or you got to do this yeah. or you got to do that. But when you have your own money, you don't have to ask mom and dad. So there's mm -hmm. a level of freedom that mm -hmm. you learn early on that you can get yes. when you make your own money. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I can do yeah, that. Yeah, and I think, you know, like I said, you know, change the story. We've changed the story for them that they can they can see already from, from the age that they are that they can do anything. They can be anything that they want to to do or want to be um my son he he has a powerlifting association he started the he's he's a funder of the belize powerlifting association so they're nice. doing um a lot of powerlifting and so they're doing um competitions um in in belize mm -hmm. and outside already and i mean he's mm -hmm. only 20 22 you know so to see that example of him actually being the front and leading that you know on his own you know, it's it's really inspirational for me. Yeah, no, that's incredible. This is a very inspirational story, and I hope that I'm I'm actually certain that our 
listeners will enjoy hearing your story considering you know the challenges that you had when you were younger and where you are now and everything you said about not allowing your background to shape your narrative changing your narrative mm -hmm. shaping your narrative changing your mindset and just mm -hmm. going out there and doing whatever you want and i think the the most important takeaway one of the most important takeaways from this conversation is when you said that you always knew you were going to be a success at home you never felt like you had to go anywhere and that's really mm -hmm. incredible that's really incredible to be so young and to make your mind up in that way so i thought that was quite yes. profound so you need a little strong mind as well <laughs> you need, yeah, a, little strong you need mind. a strong yes. you need a strong mind and i think you mm -hmm. also need to have the right people around you to mm -hmm, definitely. make those things come to, 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 to life. And you've mentioned your husband also being an entrepreneur. So it helps knowing that the person in your home is your partner and supports you and you're in the same wavelength, yes, you know, in terms of how you think. That's well. That's very important. Yes, yes, yes. Well, great, great, great. So Karen, thank you again so much for being on the podcast all the way from Belize. And um, what would you like people to know about Belize? anything if for people who don't know it's, anything about the country it's an extremely beautiful place mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. our people are very loving so it's definitely a place that you'd want to come and visit awesome well there you have it guys everybody go to belize central america capital belmopan caricom country central american country latin american country <laughs> Yeah, we're Belize everything. Is, Belize is everything. <laughs> Belize yeah. is everything. Multicultural country. You've got Africans, Chinese. Mm. Oh my gosh, Italians. Europeans. Yes, we have everybody here. I know East Indians. Mm. You have mestizo. You have. I mean, Belize is Belize has got everything. Belize, mm. Guyana. Um, Belize is similar, I guess, to Trinidad. Yeah, we're East very Indians similar well. to Guyana and Jamaica. And Guyana very and Jamaica similar. with with a lot of, uh, and Chinese people as well. And then there's all the mixing. And then you have got the indigenous people like the um, the Garifuna that you have mm -hmm. in places and like Honduras yeah. and the Maya. So Belize is an amazing country. You gotta go visit. I haven't been there yet, but I wanna go soon. Yes, you soon. must come. Just let me know. I'll make sure that you're stayed in our tiny house. I would love that. You have yes. no idea. All I right. for that Thank you, Joanne. Thanks for having me. <laughs> My absolute pleasure and all thanks to you. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Um, I will make sure to put all of Karen's details, um, your website and your where people can find you in social media and so on. And they will reach out to you and connect with you. So until next time, guys, bye for now. Bye. Thank you, John. Hey there, Rare Ones. I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listen across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdshq.com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now.